You are tampering with forces you can't understand. We have major corporations sponsoring this event. You are tuned in to the Fantasy Wire HQ Quick Cast. Today's show is brought to you by Full Time Fantasy, home of the Fantasy Football World Championships. We're also a proud member of the Full Time Fantasy Network. Check them out online at fulltimefantasy.com. Welcome to the show today. Got a good one on deck here. Frank B, Fantasy Wire HQ Studios. Thanks for jumping on. Shoot me a follow at Fantasy Wire HQ on Twitter. Bookmark the website, fantasywirehq.com. If you want to subscribe to the pod, that would be cool. Quick cast is here to get you everything you need in under 30 minutes. It's a no edit freestyle pod. I put it out there each week, just like we're hanging out talking football at the bar. It's week eight going to move through this week's game skid profile some of the uh tough to decide on fantasy players some of the guys that are generating some buzz on twitter flex plays all that good stuff if there's anybody specific that i do not talk about on here hit me up on twitter anytime and then every sunday two hours before kickoff i'll jump on there and answer lineup questions live wire sunday so check that out and then every episode i'll start off with a uh, fantasy nugget before we jump into the action and this week it's week eight so I think first and foremost, I mean, if you're looking to make a championship run with the fantasy squad and you're either tinkering on the edge of getting it out, you're on the outs, maybe you're just in, you got to make some moves. The two big things that are primo right now are your waiver wire skills and your trade skills. So if there's a couple players dead weight, I'll tell you what, this Cowboys roster, I don't know what to do with some of these guys with Gallup. If you're a Zeke owner, oh my God, that's severe disappointment. Um, but you got to have some skills. Make some big trades. Make a couple big waiver wire splashes if you've got the free, the uh, fab, the free agency budget, stuff like that. You're going to have to spend it. So do what you got to do. It's week eight. It's not going to get any easier. Definitely a, a long road ahead with more COVID stuff we've been seeing, some guys getting benched, um, all kinds of stuff. It's just. 2020 is wreaking havoc but it's interesting it's testing our fantasy metal what are we made of can we survive this can we push through and get a a championship this season any fantasy championship won this season is well deserved it's a it's a lot of luck but it's definitely a lot of skill if you're working the waivers trades and so on so look at the volume for these players look at the matchups and use your gut keep it simple you just use your gut that's all i can say it's the best advice i can give so with that, let's jump into this week's action. You are looking live. I got three games on the wire. Watch. First one up is a rivalry near and dear to my heart. That's Ravens Steelers. On the Steelers side, Big Ben. You look at Big Ben, right? On one hand, you got the Ravens allowing over 20 fantasy points a game to opposing QBs, but that's Patrick Mahomes and Carson Wentz. They're the only players that put up uh, more than 18 points on him. So on the flip side, you got Big Ben averaging 233, 14, almost 15 
fantasy points in his last three, but he has scored fewer than 15 fantasy points in eight of 11 career games against the Ravens in Baltimore. So at best, I think he's a you know a risk-reward, boom-bust type quarterback this week for fantasy. Then you get into Deontay Johnson. He saw a season-high 15 targets in Week 7, two TDs, 29-point outing. You can't ask more. And he's just coming back. I mean, was who thought he was going to go off like that in his first came back, especially when Claypool was dominating? So Johnson has seen at least 10 targets in every full game he's played this season. Playability gets knocked down a little bit this week going against the Ravens' D. They allow the ninth-fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Target share, I mean, you're going to take a look at him in any format. It's it's a another you know Big Ben-type play, boom or bust. Is he, could he go off? Is he going to grab a big play? We'll see how that plays out. Eric Ebron, tight end. He put up a pretty nice stat line last week. Six passes, 11 fantasy points, uh, the win over the Titans. I don't know if I'm chasing points this week with him. He's really hard to trust. And he's put up fewer than eight fantasy points in four of his last six. The Ravens' D has not given up more than 14 fantasy points to a tight end this season. And that was Travis Kelsey in week three. He is no Travis Kelsey. The Ravens running back committee here, just take your pick, right? Starting running backs are averaging 3.2 yards per carry against the Steelers this year. And if you take out that Miles Sanders monster 74-yard touchdown run back in week five, that number drops to 2.4 yards. On the other 90 totes, I don't know. I'm leaning Gus Edwards as like a flex if you're in a deep league because he's. I think he's like the hottest hand. But to me, J.K. Dobbins, he's been too quiet. So I don't know. Maybe he does something. Maybe he does nothing. Honestly, though, the Ravens' backs, I don't want any part of. Hollywood Brown, I think, you know, he's going to hit a big play or two. That's a given, right? The Steelers' secondary, they're just struggling with big plays, chunk plays. So I, I'm... You can count him in for a touchdown, a couple big plays there. Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, you stack them, obviously. Des Bryant, I don't think he comes back this week. I think it's next week. Keep an eye on it, but you got to wait and see on that one. Wire watch game number two, Saints and Bears. This week, I believe there was no practice for Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. So Drew Brees, he scored 23 fantasy points. Despite a bad matchup the other week without Michael Thomas and Sanders. So whether he gets him back or not, Chicago's a tough one, man. The Bears have allowed six touchdown passes and the second few fantasy points to quarterbacks. They've held Brady, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, Matt Stafford, and Teddy B to fewer than 17 fantasy points this season. So I'm not eh, I'm not looking too high on Breeze this week. Jimmy Graham... Saints allow the mm-hmm. second most fantasy points to tight ends this year. Mm-hmm. At least one TD has been surrendered to the position in all but one game. Graham has not been, you know, the Jimmy Graham of old, obviously, but for whatever reason, he's been pretty relevant in this Bears office offense. He's the uh, tight end 11 over the past three weeks. Ten red zone targets are only second to Travis Kelsey. So that is, I thought that was a... Interesting stat there. David Montgomery, the Saints, they've allowed five touchdowns and the eighth fewest fantasy points to the running back position. Demo's got two touchdowns on the season. He's been held to under 60 rushing yards in five games in a row. I think that is an an issue with Cody Whitehair, the Bears center, with his uh, injury. I think it was the calf. 
that's a problem for the offensive line. So I think Montgomery can get it done in like a PPR league. He's going to get some touches out of the backfield. We've been seeing that. So I'd put him in a, you know, like a flex spot or something this week. Darnell Mooney, he's led the Bears in targets. He had seven on Monday night, and he's consistently played as many or more snaps than Anthony Miller this year. I think Miller's gone uh, with Allen Robinson leaving the game late the other, you know, the Monday nighter. Maybe Mooney gets a bigger role this week in Week 8. So it's a good matchup against New Orleans. I think Mooney's got, like, wide receiver three upside. I like him. Traquan Smith. And you look at this guy, bottom line is <clears throat> better people than Smith have tried to test the Bears' corners, and they just can't do it. I mean, the, they're tough. They're shut down. And this looks like a game where Drew Brees is going to – he's going to have more success targeting, like, Kamara, Jared Cook maybe down the middle of the seam. Um, versus the outside and the perimeter weapons. So I'm going to fade Smith here this week. I'll jump into the AFC East third wire watch game. This is one I got my eye on too because it's AFC East. I mean, the Patriots typically used to own the Bills. New, You know, things have changed. Obviously, the landscape's looking different. But Josh Allen, QB3 over the first five weeks of the season. He's just QB18 since week six. Opposing quarterbacks have yet to hit double-digit scoring against the Patriots since they've come back from their Week 4 bye. That's kind of odd. I didn't realize that, but they're they're getting it done there. Now, Josh Allen's running ability always makes him an option no matter who the matchup, right? Um, obviously, you're going to keep him at the quarterback one, but I just don't think he is like your surefire stud play like he was earlier in the season. Cam Newton, he scored 20 points in all but one game this season prior to that awful performance the other week. The picks, are, you know, they're worrisome, but the guy is always running, you know, and his his nose for the end zone, It you got to consider it each week. So against the Bills defense that has allowed every opposing quarterback this season, not named Sam Darnold, to reach at least 20 fantasy points, you got to look at Cam Newton. Devin Singletary, I think, it's a changing of the guard, man. I think the Bills are are going to get it to Zach Moss more. Zach Moss logged just five fewer snaps than Singletary a week ago. And Singletary, he's, what's he scoring, like six points or fewer in three consecutive weeks? The Patriots are pretty susceptible to the run since they've come back from the bye. But I just don't trust Singletary. I don't think the guy gets it done. It's so hard. Every time you play him, you know, he doesn't do anything. You bench him or... He goes off, but I like Zach Moss better. He's week seven. He was averaging like six yards per carry. So I'll look at Moss over Singletary. And then Julian Edelman. Remember when this guy was like the most reliable fantasy option out there? You know, the floor was was great, um, dependable, consistent. And now you're thinking about cutting him. Maybe you've already cut him. So the last four games, Edelman has scored no more than six fantasy points. He's targeted five times on average. Terrible. The Patriots are throwing the ball 50% of the time, third fewest in the league. Good God. The Thursday night special, Falcons, Panthers, Teddy B. I like this game for DFS. I'm, I got a lot of lineups set in uh, DraftKings FanDuel for this one. It's a good one. Teddy B, he's top 19 points scoring in three of his past four games. It's another dream matchup, I think, for that against that Falcons defense. He torched them two weeks ago for 313 and two touchdowns. Todd Gurley, I know we, we clowned on him this week, but um, when he came through with, what, like 22 points, 
He's that was his second 22 plus performance over the past three games. I know he had the end zone snafu at the end, and it's been funny, but the the other game in that average is against the Panthers. They allow the fifth most red zone touches to running backs this season, as well as 4.9 yards per carry average, fifth most in the NFL. So you got to like Gurley to get in the end zone now that he's allowed to get in the end zone this week. I do like him. Robbie Anderson, ninth most targeted player in football. He's top 10 and a half points in every game this season. You got to like that. The Falcons secondary is horrendous. They've allowed the second most passing yards and a league high 8.7 per pass attempt. So plug in Anderson. Absolutely. The Raiders and the Browns. Jarvis Landry, Rashad Higgins. So what's happening without Odell? So you look at Landry. He was like king of the volume, dominant PPR play. He's top 12 points one time this season. Huge disappointment. Another one, like Edelman, are you keeping him? Are you cutting him? Have you cut him? Um, He's still in search of his first receiving touchdown on the year. This is insane. Then you look at Higgins. Every time the guy's got, you know, called upon, he produces. So you like that. But let's not forget the Browns have attempted an average of just 23 passes over four of their last six. I think both players are on the flex play this week for fantasy until I can trust them a little more and they can put some stuff out there, see how it plays out without Beckham. But Landry to me is like a low ceiling um, play. And then Higgins, he's got a high ceiling, low floor risk. Maybe it's hard to say. How's the pecking order now? Are they going to funnel it all to Higgins or is it going to be Landry? Is it even, I need to see how this plays out. But for this week, I like each of those players only in a flex play or deep league. Nelson Aguilar, now he's coming around. What the what the hell is going on there? We were talking about Nelson Aguilar being relevant in fantasy. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Time to start paying attention to him, right? He's got touchdowns in three straight games. And, God, he was logging 19% of the team's offensive snaps in each of the first two weeks of the season. And since, he's logged 83 of the team's snaps over the past four. So, I mean, he's... He's averaged 16 fantasy points a game despite the production. He's rostered in 6% of leagues. What? The Browns allow the second most fantasy points and fourth most receiving touchdowns to opposing receivers. So I'm plugging in Nelson. I'll take a risk this week with him. Harrison Bryant, the rookie, explodes on the scene. 21 points and two touchdowns in place Austin Hooper. You look at him as an ad on waivers. The matchup against the Raiders, though, I don't know, man. All opposing tight ends, not named Kelsey or Gronkowski, have failed to eclipse 16 receiving yards against the Raiders. So I don't know about Bryant. If you're going to play him, it's a risky play. Maybe it pays off, but I'm I'm going to I doubt it this week. The Colts and the Lions. Jonathan Taylor. Finally, I got Taylor in one league. I'm amped to use him. I love Taylor. He has top 15 points in back-to-back weeks. Touched the ball at least 14 times in every game since he's taken over from Marlon Mack. And Detroit, the past three opposing starting running backs have topped 15 points, combining for an average of 19. The Lions have allowed six total touchdowns to the position since week four. Awesome. Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson, right? Good matchup. 
I don't know. No tight end has found the end zone against the Colts this season. Hawkinson's been great. You've been playing him. He's been pretty consistent. Opposing starting tight ends are averaging 19 yards per game. I don't know. I like him. He's pretty touchdown dependent for me this week, though. T.Y. Hilton, he's got a good matchup on paper. The Lions have surrendered seven TDs and seventh most fantasy points to wideouts. The problem is that (laughs) he's had more than his share of like primo easy matchups this season. And he's put, only put up one game with more than nine points. So I, I can't, I don't know if I trust him. I just, I don't, I'm, I don't have him in any leagues, but I just don't trust him here. Bengals and the Titans, Burrow, Joe Burrow. The volume that this guy produces is, is better than any other quarterback in the league. He ranks first in the NFL with 293 attempts. The Titans have allowed an average of 24 fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks from week two to six. Now, you know Burrow's going to throw a pick, but for the volume that he produces, it canceled out, right? So Burrow's a plug-and-play each week. Tyler Boyd, I really like him this week in in DFS, FanDuel, DraftKings. I got him in a lot of lineups as well. And he's averaged 18 points per game, seventh most among wide receivers to play a minimum of four games and nine targets per game since week two. So the volume's there for this guy as well, and we know the volume is king in DFS. But the Titans have allowed 10 different wide receivers to record at least 84 yards and a touchdown since week two. Boyd is a must-play. Jonu Smith, I mean, he was a, he's been a must-start, right? His stock took a pretty big hit after back-to-back, what are you, under five-point fantasy performances. That's terrible. The good news is the Bengals are next up. And they've surrendered six touchdowns to tight ends since week five. They allow the most fantasy points to the tight end position since week four. So, Smith, this is your bounce back. You got to get it done this week. <laughs> NFC North battle, the Packers and the Vikings. Obviously, on the Packers, Rodgers and Adams is your stack play everywhere you can get it. And Aaron Jones and uh, Jamal Williams you got to check the injury updates on Aaron Jones up until kickoff. The team is still being cautious, and they are very cautious with any kind of injury, any player, big name or not. So it's a there's a good possibility he does not play this week, so keep your eye out on the updates. And then Alan Lazard, he practiced Wednesday. Another player, keep up on the up, updates. I can tell you right now on DFS DraftKings, I think he was on there for like $600 bucks or $200 play, which is insane because if he plays... Um, he's got a great matchup. I don't think he's going to play this week. I think they're going to hold him out one more week, and he comes back next week. But, oh, my God, if he does play, keep an eye out and pick him up anywhere you can in DFS because that is your difference maker there. Kirk Cousins, listen, this guy's going to get like 250, couple touchdowns, right? But there's no way he plays this game without a couple interceptions, especially if the Packers' defense is going to pressure the hell out of him. So, Cousins, yeah, I can expect a couple turnovers there. Justin Jefferson, of course you're going to play Adam Thielen, but Justin Jefferson, I'm looking at Adam Thielen taking coverage with Alexander, and Jefferson would get matched up on Josh Jackson. The rookie caught nine passes for 166, two touchdowns the last time he played. The Vikings are going to be throwing it a ton against the Packers if this is going to be a big you know, high-scoring game like we're thinking. So I'd, I like Jefferson probably the most on that offensive side. The Jets and the Chiefs, 
Uh, the Jets, I mean, we make fun of their fantasy options weekly, daily on Twitter. But, you know, Crowder's your best option. Then you look at Perriman. I think he was on the injury report. You look at Denzel Mims. I'm playing those guys in deep, deep leagues. LaMichael Perrine, Perrine, whatever. He's your new man in the backfield. I think the volume adds up. Good for him. And it's a revenge game on the Chiefs for Le'Veon Bell. The defense, the Jets' defense, has allowed eight total touchdowns, seventh most fantasy points to runners, and the 20, this is a 20-point point spread game, favored by 20 right now. It should be a blowout, should be crazy, right? So what better way for Bell and CEH to put up a huge stat line? Uh, maybe it's this, you know, the game is well in hand, it's second half, and it's just run, 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 and, and run that clock down. I think he's a flex this week until I see a little more. Obviously, he's split in the backfield, uh, but we'll see how it rolls there. I still like him. I'd play him in the flex without a doubt. And on DFS, anything DraftKings, FanDuel, I'm plugging Bell in there too. The Rams and the Dolphins debut of Tua, the fantasy quarterback position as a whole, right? There's 18 active starters that average more than 19 points per game. The Rams have held two of their last three opponents below double-digit points in three of the last four before uh, below 11 points. So two is, he's a risky play this week. And if you're going to pick him, I picked him up in one league just because I need a quarterback so bad. It's a deep, deep league. Look ahead to his fantasy football playoff schedule. He's got KC, New England, and then the Raiders. I don't know. We got to, we got to see how it plays out, but that, KC is a tough opening round in the fantasy playoffs to put Tua in. And then the Patriots, maybe. Raiders, favorable. So take it's up to you, whatever you like. And Jared Goff, although Goff has got multiple touchdowns in consecutive games, he's averaging 208 passing yards. Mind-boggling. So if I'm going to play Goff on the road against the Dolphins defense that ranks eighth in fewest fantasy points allowed per game to opposing quarterbacks, I'm thinking he's coming in under 200 yards passing for the game. This could be a heavy run game, Acres, maybe he plays Henderson. And speaking of the, the Rams' backfield mess, really, Henderson and Brown. Henderson exits Monday with a uh, calf, I think he had a calf injury, and that's I got to keep an eye on that going down. If he doesn't go, it's Brown, right? And he's been able to get into the end zone this year. The Dolphins' defense has allowed five rushing touchdowns to running backs, so you got to like Brown for the for the upside there to get in the end zone. Mm-hmm. As a whole, I don't like any of the Rams' running backs. I don't want to play them. I don't have them anywhere in any leagues or teams, so I can fully ignore them. Preston Williams, this guy is somebody that I was really high on in the offseason. I really thought he'd be a, a big deal here. Maybe he comes, maybe he has a strong second half of the season. Um, right now, the volume is just not there for me to trust him. The Rams defense surrenders the second fewest fantasy points to wide receivers, not to mention he's going to be catching passes from Tua. What's Tua going to do? I don't know. Devontae Parker, same deal. I mean, I, I got to see how Tua does here and, and how they use him, how they're throwing him out there. We'll see. The Rams' tight end position, the Dolphins allow the second-fewest points to tight ends this year, including zero touchdowns and no more than 44 receiving yards since week three. <laughs> I didn't. I never really took that. Well, I mean, I looked at that stat, and I was like, that can't be right. But it's insane. I don't know. 
So Rams tight ends fade him. Jacecki, the best friend to a rookie quarterback is the run game and the tight end. So maybe he looks his way to move the chains. Um, if you've had Jacecki on your fantasy team this season, it's been up and down. It's it's crazy. Do you trust him or do you not trust him? It comes down to that. The only edge that makes me lean Jacecki is that it's a rookie quarterback. And like I said, two best friends, the run game and a tight end that can move the chains. Chargers Broncos, Drew Locke, the Chargers D. They've allowed eight touchdown passes over the last three games. They've surrendered 19-plus fantasy points in four of their last five to quarterbacks. So we'll see what Drew Locke can do. He looked good early in the Chiefs game. Like, he was coming out. I mean, he's he was there to, to win that game. Then it gets away with defense and special teams, obviously. But he at least he looked the part last week. Melvin Gordon, if Lindsey is out. Gordon, I think, is your running back two this week against his former team. The defense has been bad against opposing running backs. James Robinson put up nearly 32 fantasy points on him. So I like Gordon this week. Justin Herbert, stud, rookie stud. I hope most of you have been able to grab him off of waivers, or if you were smart, you drafted him way early. Uh, Preseason here. He's averaging over 25 fantasy points a game. He's got four games on the docket against bottom nine defenses starting this week against Denver. So get ready for a killer ride with Herbert. He should be he should bring you back into contention if you were out. Josh Kelly, he's averaged two point yard, two point eight yards per carry or fewer in four of the last five. He hasn't sniffed the end zone since week one. The Broncos allow the fourth fewest points and the second fewest rushing TDs to opposing running backs this year. So between the two. I lean Justin Jackson, but this is all temporary until Austin Eckler comes back. If you can just either avoid this, these two plays, or just get by with one, maybe Jackson, I lean Jackson. Once Eckler comes back, you're done with these guys, hopefully. Noah Fant, I think he's still injured with an ankle. I don't know. He didn't look 100% to me, but he is really the top receiving target in Denver. 23 targets come his way over the past three games. Chargers have allowed four receiving touchdowns to the tight end position over their last five. So if Fant plays, I like him. Maybe he exits um, the rookie tight end, Ecubom. He, he'll he take over. He looked good as well. So either one of those guys, I think, are your plays for Denver at tight end. Seahawks and Niners, Carlos Hyde. We got to check his status of injury, dealing with the hamstring. If he plays... I don't know, man. The Niners are tough. They haven't allowed a rushing touchdown to a running back since week one. Only one opposing running back has top 63 on them all year. So I don't think the, the Seahawks are going to be running much anyway. On the Niners side of the ball with the run game, Jermichael Hasty carried the ball nine times each of the past two weeks. I think he's the next man up. Jeff Wilson goes on IR, but then you look at Tevin Coleman. He, he could come back, and that complicates things yet again in this Niners backfield. The Seahawks haven't allowed a running back to top 65 rushing all season either. So, I mean, this game is going to be one through the air. I don't think it's much of either team to run on the ground. Brandon Ayuk, you've got Debo Samuel on the mend, right? Rookie has now received six-plus targets and scored a touchdown in three weeks straight. No team in football allows more targets, receptions, receiving yards and points than the Seahawks this season. Tyler Lockett. So, you he went off last week. We love it, right? After an insane 53-point 
explosion, right? You're not going to expect a repeat, but prior to week seven, Lockett had gone two straight games without topping eight fantasy points. San Francisco allows the fifth fantasy points to wide receivers since week three and have surrendered 60 plus yards to only one wide receiver. I love Lockett. I'd play him, but don't be expecting, you know, another consecutive monster game out of this guy. Cowboys, Eagles in the worst division football. The worst. The worst. Wentz, look at Wentz. He's topped 28 fantasy points and attempted at least 40 passes in back-to-back weeks, tossed two touchdowns in three games straight, and the Cowboys have surrendered 16 touchdown passes this season, tied fourth most in the NFL, including two in each of the past two weeks. So I like Wentz. This week, I think anybody playing, just like, the, I mean, the Cowboys are becoming the Jets. Whoever's playing them, you start them. But I like Wentz this week. I think he can deliver. Boston Scott, he he rewarded us last week with 18 fantasy points, but he still can't get yards on the ground. And I don't understand what's going on there. I know the line's a mess. Maybe they get a, a tackle back. I think Lane Johnson or somebody who's coming back this week. We'll have to keep our eye on that. But he's averaged less than four yards per carry in all but one game. The Cowboys are only one of two teams to surrender 1,000 rushing yards so far this season and have allowed 95 rushing yards to opposing lead backs in three games straight. So maybe Scott comes through this week. Travis Fulgham, 11 targets in Week 7. That was his third game straight with double-digit targets. Fulgham is the man. Every receiver that has seen 10-plus targets against Dallas this year finished with 90-plus receiving yards and a combined Six touchdowns. Oh my good, goodness gracious! Richard Rogers, tight end for the. Richard Rogers is your tight end in Philly until we can get Geitert back or Ertz, you know. And he's to, he totaled eighty five up against the Giants, and I think he can, he can repeat this week as long as Geitert's not coming back. You got to keep an eye. I think he practiced Wednesday, so you got to keep an eye on a lot of injury report is vital. You've got to keep it. Hopefully, you get the alerts on your phone from whatever source that you like, and hopefully they're fast because you got to get them set up and see who's playing. It's, it changes daily almost. Monday night, the Bucks, the Giants. The Steelers-Ravens should be Monday night or Sunday night. But Daniel Jones, he has failed to crack 200 yards passing again. Something he has failed to do in four of the last five games. The Bucks have forced the second most interceptions and fourth most fumbles this year. I think they're going to tear him apart. Gronk, over the first five weeks of the season, he was the 31st highest scoring tight end, right? Five yards a game. Since then, he scored touchdowns in back-to-back weeks, averaging 14 points per game. The second most output at his position over that span. So I like Gronk this week. They're getting the, the chemistry's getting going, right? We're going to see what Antonio Brown does to that mess. But Gronk's been the hot hand for Tampa, so I'll ride with that. And then, you know, right now he's leading all the Bucks in targets since week six with 16. I know that's going to change, but, hey, if Antonio Brown's not playing until the Saints game next week, I think this week's a good one to, to run Gronk out again. Mike Evans He's always all over the place, this guy. I mean, I, I'd never want to draft him, but I always end up drafting him. I don't know how. Um, he was used a ton in the red zone. He had a couple of hundred-plus yard games, but the last two games, 
I don't know. It, he, I just can't trust this guy now. Here comes Antonio Brown. What does he do to Mike Evans? Godwin's not playing. For this week, I'll run with Evans again since Godwin's not playing and Brown's not here yet. But I, I don't know. He'll usually save you at the end of the game with a touchdown or last-minute score. <laughs> with Chris Godwin out, like I said, Scotty Miller, too. He's another one. Um, is he a sleeper this week? I think he is. I think he could be your sleeper this week. Make some noise for fantasy. On the Giants side of the ball, Darius Slayton. The return of Sterling Shepard last week, to me, showed me that Slayton's behind Shepard in the wide receiver depth. So the Giants have averaged just 178 passing yards over the last five. The Bucks allow the eighth fewest to wideouts this year. I, I don't like Slayton. Leonard Fournette, back to the Buck side. He's been getting a lot of buzz on Twitter, too. Ten of his 17 touches came in the first 30 minutes of play for this team. I think he's the preferred receiving back over Rojo just because of the drops, right? Over the past two weeks, the Giants have allowed a combined 13 receptions, 114 receiving yards, and one touchdown. I think if the Bucks get Fournette going early... He could have a nice first half. And then, you know, maybe they run Rojo to second half if they've got the lead. But either way, if it's going to be a pass game, I like Fournette this week. Evan Ingram, Tampa Bay has surrendered a receiving touchdown to an opposing tight end in three consecutive games, 20 receptions to the possession position since week three. Does Evan Ingram hit teen scoring, <clears throat> a score in the teens this week? Is it out of the question? Can he do it? Do I trust him? I don't know. I think I'll play him if I need to. If I've got another tight end, any better options, I may do that. But I'll give him a chance this week. I'll run him out there. So that'll wrap up this week's NFL slate and quick cast. Good luck to all of you in your fantasy matchups this week. Tag the players that go the opposite way with the hashtag because fantasy so we can have a laugh about it. And uh, if there's anything else, hit me up on Twitter anytime at FantasyWireHQ. I'll answer any lineup questions. We can talk football, players, matchups, whatever you'd like. And until then. Yeah, all right. This press conference is over. Go away. I no, it's over, Phil. It's over.